Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Is hair a material? Are biscuits a material? Are crystals a material? Is plastic a material? Is porridge a material? Can gases be a material? Are eggs a material? Is water a material? What do you call everything that isn't a material? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at your question. And yet you continue to do so. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Handmade, the making podcast with Real Talk about materials. As always, I'm your host, Anna Pajajski, and this episode I talk to Lucy Rogers, who, in her own words, is an engineer by training, but now is more of an inventor with a sense of fun. As you'll hear in this episode, Lucy is really a passionate proponent of the maker movement. So I'm pretty sure that we could have we could have talked about pretty much any material um, for this episode. But when I asked Lucy beforehand which material she wanted to focus on, she immediately replied with wood. So I was super excited to sit down with Lucy and record this conversation during the UK coronavirus lockdown. And I started by asking Lucy what does it mean to be an inventor with a sense of fun? So that means I solve people's problems who have specific problems in an area they're not really expecting. So I have made a concertina that breaks when you pull it too far apart for a comedy band. I have made mini mannequins for a dressmaker. And I've made gold boots that change colour when you tweet them. So... <gasps> projects aren't really patentable um, and I put most of my ideas out in the world as open source but I'm also the Royal Academy of Engineers visiting professor um, of engineering creativity and communications at Brunel University. Cool what does that entail? I am helping the students and the staff um, communicate more effectively and be more creative we find that I have found that creativity in engineering isn't often encouraged because to get to the um, the British standard or the ISO standard of quality, you have to make the same product the same way every time. And so if you just tweak a little bit, you're not making the same product the same time and the same way. And so people complain about that. And so you're actually discouraged from being creative in many many fields of engineering and I'm trying to sort of like put and, and even in school we're also discouraged from that it's creativity is much harder to mark uh, so yeah we often stick to the two plus two equals four and it always equals four therefore uh, it's easy to mark so I'm I'm going a little bit more down the creative line and also communication skills written spoken 
engineers are not renowned for being able to communicate well with non-engineers. So that's what that's all about. Oh, amazing. And so you identify as a maker, which kind of sits right slap bang in the middle of what you were just describing, like the kind of technical side of the engineering, but then I suppose the craft side of sort of making stuff with your hands, right? Yes, I like to make the thing that I've just invented, the prototype, whatever. Yeah. So what first sparked your interest in making? My family are makers. My mum was an apprentice florist. My dad had been an apprentice carpenter joiner. My grandfather was a clockmaker and a boat builder. So making was always all around me. And when I was small, I could see my dad making things out of wood. I could see my mum and she's very creative and would do embroidery. And, and so both me and my brother just made things. We always made things. And I remember specifically asking for a carpentry set when I was seven. <laughs> no way. It didn't have anything sharp in it, though. <laughs> okay, I was just going to ask, sharp knives and axes isn't well, normally what you give to a, a seven-year-old. A junior hacksaw, cool. um, a, a small screwdriver. It did have a hammer and some nails. Um, and some G-clamps. Brilliant. <laughs> Can you remember some of the earliest things you made? I remember making a birdhouse with my dad. Wow, um, and that's cool. We collected a whole load of twigs and uh, yeah, <laughs> cut them all to length. Mm. We must have, we must have nailed them all together. Brilliant. So the material that we are going to be discussing today um, is wood because you said to mm -hmm. me that wood was sort of your first love in materials and making. So what yeah. was it about, about wood that really kind of caught your eye initially? I think initially it was I could make something with these things and I could make big things. I could make dens uh, in the garden or, or the birdhouse. Um, and it had so many uses. And you, and you saw it everywhere. You know, in the attic, you could see it in the rafters. Uh, you could see boats uh, being built out of it. It was, it was all everywhere, but also the smell, you know, the smell <laughs> of cut wood. It's, yeah. So from your seven-year-old carpentry set then, where did you go with wood after that? I probably didn't really do much other than DIY. Mm -hmm. um, and my dad helped me a lot with my first house. I remember cutting noggins. Noggins are... Um, if, if I can remember right. So you've got the rafters, the beams that go across your ceiling. And then in between them, I assume it was to stop it. Oh, it was either to stop it twisting or for something to actually hammer your plasterboard up to. Okay. So I, I can't quite remember the technical terms. But I remember we made noggings. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I did an awful lot of DIY. Um, and, yeah, making tables. I, uh, one place I built a garage yeah with the all the rafters were wood wow um and another place i we had this huge shed uh and yeah i completely revamped it um paneled the whole of the inside stripped all the floorboards so yeah a lot of wood stuff and it wasn't until i was about 30 that i started wood turning okay so probably younger than that actually because i'd just finished my phd and it's like, there's a void. There's a void in my life now where I was <laughs> I was focusing on this PhD for so long. Yeah. And my local college had a six-week turn a bowl course. 
So I signed up for that. And then the teacher said, you know, if you signed up for the six month city and guilds in wood turning, it would cost like 50 pounds more. Uh, this was back in the days when uh, further education and uh, <laughs> yeah. craft, craft skills were not as expensive as they are now. And so I did the, the six month city and guilds in wood turning. Absolutely loved it. Brilliant. I've got a lot of round things now. <laughs> yeah. So that's working wood on a lathe. Um, yeah. Can you describe that for any listeners that aren't familiar with how to do that? So I've got a a lathe. So it's got a motor at one end, and you stick a bit of wood onto this the end of the motor, and so the um, the motor is is going uh, horizontally. <laughs> so you're turning it as it's turning it's coming towards you this lump of wood is coming towards you and spinning and so you get a chisel and you stick it on the lump of wood not too far otherwise it all falls off and it can ping across the the room (laughs) and little by little you use a chisel to take bits off this spinning piece of wood and you can make bowls or um, banister uh, uh, spindles for your banisters Um, i've made a standard lamp i've made a stool Uh, I've made some goblets. So anything that has a round thing Mm, (laughs) can be made on a lathe. Circularly symmetric, I suppose. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You can do offset, but um, I've never ventured that far. That sounds quite advanced. Yeah. (laughs) So what materials properties do you need to take into account when you're working with wood, let's say on a lathe? You have to see where the grain is. So if you want the grain to go along the axis of the lathe, so you're actually taking it up when you, yeah, you're, you're taking it off with the grain or against the grain. And that will depend on which tool you want to use um, and how it comes off. Will it come off in, will the, will the bits come off in chips or will they come off in a nice long a slither, like as if you're using a hand plane and you can make those big curly shavings. Nice. Um, so or like it, peeling an apple. <laughs> peeling an apple, yes. Um, you, you can get yeah, one long thing or will it come in lots of little chips yeah. <laughs> um, and then yeah, go everywhere. So you, you've got to look at that. Also how dry the wood is. So I cut down a piece of conifer, a fir tree in the garden and took it in, put it on the lathe and I was sopping wet by the time I'd finished it. No you, way. It, you know, it didn't feel wet in my hands. But you start putting the chisel in and the amount of water that is in a piece of green wood, a new, uh, newly cut piece of wood, is, is really quite amazing. And the thing also with the green wood, um, so g- green wood being the term we use for just cut down, is it will twist. So I made this goblet and the whole idea is, as I made it wet, when it dries out, as long as it doesn't crack, the whole um, the stem will twist and you won't be able to work out how it was made because it won't be the symmetrical that it that it would be on a lathe. Um, mine was obviously a very straight piece of wood because it dried straight. <laughs> oh, that's lucky. <laughs> so, yeah, do you have to take that into account then, the sort of shrinkage that the wood yep. will, will the do? Shrinkage, yeah. will it crack? Um, how much can you do in one day? And if you're putting your tool or your, your chisel onto the piece of wood, um, it will dry the piece of wood. And so as, as it's getting hotter with friction, ah, interesting. Uh, it'll actually dry. And so you might end up, if you've got a very fine lip of a bowl, for example, you may end up putting cracks in because right. you're heating it too much. So sometimes you just have to stop it, leave it for a while and then come back again. That's and so do, interesting. Do, do some more. Um, 
but otherwise if you don't use green wood you'll probably use seasoned wood uh, which hasn't got quite so many foibles as the green <laughs> but again it's it's harder to do yeah. um, it, it's green wood is like is like carving butter mm. uh, and the, the dry wood is yeah a little bit you have to put more oomph into it like carving cheese <laughs> to extend that analogy <laughs> so your background is in mechanical engineering is that right yes that's yeah, what you I studied at uni um did you ever study wood sort of kind of formally at uni i don't believe i did no we we did some bits and structures but i think that was more working out what a moment was rather than right. you, know, you you had an ideal beam yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes a beam that was straight and true and yes sure. the same all the way along which is so not no, the case for a piece of wood right because there's always yeah. little imperfections and knots yeah there's and... always a knot somewhere yeah 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 it's interesting i was um i was speaking to a dendrochronologist on this podcast um a couple of months ago and i was saying to her you know she she was saying how nice it is to be able to collaborate with all sorts of different engineers and scientists and climatologists and stuff to do with wood um but you know, in material science, wood like didn't come up at all in like the really? formal curriculum. Yeah, which is to me so crazy because we use wood everywhere. Yeah. Um But I suppose it's just because it's a natural material. It's a little bit sort of chaotic and a bit unknown, and you can't really put proper graphs to it, or you have to make a pro- too many approximations. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we're back at the creativity bit where actually you've just got to look at it. You've got to have an eye for it. Right. Um, yeah, engineers yeah. Aren't, aren't really people to go with the flow. Maybe they just want the number yeah. to be oh, the that, number that, and that's that'll it. That'll probably work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't yeah. really work for bridges. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, you don't really make cogs or uh, <laughs> moving things out of wood. Right. Why not? Uh, for for all those reasons, mm. um, if you can imagine looking, if you just cut down a tree and you're looking at the stump mm. and you can see all the rings, um, if you if you made cog teeth around the edge of that stump, where the rings are are the the weak points, and right. so actually you'd be shearing off all the teeth yeah. as it went round. So that wouldn't be the strongest way. So. You, if you do it and um, cartwheels were done in this way, you actually have to cut bits of wood and then stick them together again or glue or, or somehow structure them together. So you're always using the the best bit of the wood in the in the perfect way. Right. Interesting. So you would have to cut all of those little spokes around the wheel that would have to be along the grain of the wood so, yeah. so that it was in the strongest possible formation. Yeah. And oh, then the hub of the wheel, right? again, you'd have to do a- along the grain. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So you do a bit along the grain with a bit of the curve in and then yeah. another bit and another bit. That's so interesting. Have you ever made a cartwheel? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I've, I've seen quite a few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and you, can, you can see those joints. Um, I used to live in a place that had a wooden windmill. Oh, and wow. to see some of the things and say, oh, yeah, you can see the joint there. You can see why they did that. So often I'll take my engineering brain uh, to actually have a look to see why did that? Why did they make that like that? Mm, interesting. These, you... craftsmen, these craftsmen were, were very good engineers back yeah, in the day. For sure. 
Um, can you think of any sort of memorable projects that you've done with wood? I really enjoyed making a rocking chair wow. out of greenwood. So the trees were just cut down and it was all hand tools, um, axes and adds and um, tools that I can't remember the name of. Um, and we had a a pole lathe. So when I said I in my lathe, I've got a motor. This one hasn't got a motor. It's got a piece of string and... Um, I, either an elastic bungee to pull it back and a treadle. So you're you're pushing down on this treadle and it spins your piece of wood one way and that's the way that you can put your blade, your um, chisel in, and then you have to take your chisel off as it unspins because it's going the wrong way oh. and then you put your chisel in again as it goes the other way. So it's a, it's a different skill. But, yeah, making that uh, rocking chair was great. That's so cool. How long did that take you to make? That was a week. One week, week? The, one week in the woods. Wow, yeah, <laughs> that's cool. It was it was all a very pre-planned course. Nice, uh, okay. And so the seat blanks had been pre-cut on a bandsaw. Got yeah, uh, yeah. And my runners had been pre-cut on a bandsaw. Nice. Otherwise, it just would have taken a bit too long. Yeah. But all the all the spindles, um, they were either hand turned or just drawn. So you, you sit on this wooden. I think it's called a horse. Yeah, wood horse. Uh, and yeah, you have a, a blade, a, a blade with two handles on, and you pull towards yourself and strip the bark off this this piece of wood. So cool. satisfying. That sounds super satisfying. Um, I recently did a um, a spoon carving workshop. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. And learn how to carve wooden spoons. And it, I found that it made me look at wood in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. like th- actually feeling the resistance of cutting across the grain compared to how smooth it is to cut with the grain. Yeah. Um, it really gives you an appreciation of the different kind of materials properties that you have in the different directions. Um, and after going on that course, I then started sort of venturing out into the woods to try and find some like wood to start carving yeah. on my own. Um, and it, re- it for me, it really, it changed the way that I was looking at trees as, because, you know, trees in themselves are kind of just natural objects but then you don't often think of that as a material resource um yeah so yeah I I really liked it as a as a sort of exercise in kind of uh I suppose yeah just identifying materials opportunities I suppose Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping and that extends to their outdoor collection Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So, you know, on a tree, uh, a burr, where it's all gnarled, not in here, branches has come off years ago and it's just got this big lump of probably um, where the bit of rot's got in. And it's, yeah. if you use that in wood turning, it's beautiful stuff. It's hard to turn, but it's actually beautiful and you can see all the knots and the end grain. And uh, so, yeah, I go drooling over bits of burr that's still on a tree. <laughs> nice. Do you, do you regularly take to the woods with a hacksaw and yeah. <laughs> go and collect no. pieces? Just, just, just no. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the other thing I really enjoyed uh, doing with wood was uh, I learned to rub two sticks together to make fire. Nice. That was a, yeah, a fun job. Yeah. Well, it took that's a long time. A good life for me skill. To, yeah, for, for me to actually get the knack of that mm. uh, uh, yes I discovered I wasn't breathing when I was doing it which is why I kept feeling faint <laughs> <laughs> why not too much concentration yeah like, oh, oh, I'm holding my breath I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do <laughs> breathe <gasps> <laughs> amazing um here's a question for you if if you had unlimited time and unlimited resources what is like your holy grail of something to make? Oh, unlimited time and unlimited skill. Let's go. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the first thing that springs to mind is a boat of some sort, but I get horrendously seasick when I'm on a bigger boat than oh, anything okay. bigger than a kayak. Uh, so I would love to make a. Um, a Canadian canoe from silver birch, uh, the, the, the as as the uh, Native Americans would have made. Mm. Uh, yeah, that would really be something nice. That's to, cool to do. Well, who knows if there's a second lockdown? Maybe that will be your opportunity. <laughs> uh, you, uh, UK UK silver birch isn't thick enough. Oh, you have okay. to go to the um, Nordic countries to actually oh. get. Thick silver birch. Fair enough. Not that I've researched it at all. No, never. <laughs> I have absolutely no doubt that you will achieve this goal at some point soon. <laughs> um, I'd like to return to this idea of, of being a maker mm -hmm. and sort of, you know, just then I was talking about kind of how it changes how you look at the world. Um, what does being a maker mean to you? Never saying no. <laughs> it means anything can be fixed or anything can be um, bodged together or remade. Um, and I know there are limits on that for the electronics. And nowadays you can't fix a car quite the way that you used to be able to fix a car. Um, but, yeah, to me, it's the can-do attitude. Um, how do we do this? Let's do it oh, it can't be done that way, let's do it another way. So it's the creativity of looking around and looking through. Um, 
and just the ability to use your hands. Um, I get twitchy if I haven't used my hands for a, a while. Mm. Is it is it something that you think is it something innate or is this something that anyone can learn how to do? I'm not sure. I I love it. My brother doesn't seem to. Mm. Um, and we were brought up pretty similar, um, doing the same s- sort of things. Mm. So I, I think, yeah, there might be a, you, if you want to do it, you'll do it more. And if it doesn't appeal, um, you know, if you've got two left hands and you, you, you stab yourself with the scissors every time you use them, maybe making isn't for you. <laughs> I'm just thinking, though, you know, you've spoken so kind of enthusiastically about what making is to you. If someone's listening to this and they they're not crafty, but they'd quite like to be. Mm -hmm. um, Have you got any advice for people that are looking to get into that sort of thing? There's all sorts of things that you can try. I mean, there's so many different types of making from the the paper engineering of making um, automata. Uh, just folding paper, origami, there's the knitting, the sewing, um, there's the the yeah the many crafts that we already have yeah probably tried somewhere in our childhood, <laughs> yeah. uh, and and then lino cuts and anything that's slightly arty can become makering, um, paper mache for example you know all these things are making and for me i obviously like the putting the technical with the old crafts but you know i haven't yet put electronics into any uh, wood turned items oh interesting um, it, yeah it can be done but for, for me a lot of it is no this is pure wood mm. i like that in a thing this is pure electronic geeks i like that in a thing um putting the two together may not go but going back to play school and getting the kitchen roll tubes and a box of tissues and making that into a thing you know making a robot out of the tin foil eyes or, or whatever that's also making so there's no limit to what it is or what you can start with for me the biggest thing is giving yourself permission give yourself permission to make and i have to do it still that oh no i should be writing that that email or i should be putting the washing on or i should be da 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 and it's like no i should be playing with my materials um you know playing with clay play with whatever it is that that you fancy Mm. Yeah, I, I've come to craft and making quite late in life, I think, you know, I suppose because I've I've in, academically been channeled down this very scientific route. Um, yeah. I always kind of felt that I pigeonholed myself in, as a science person and not an arts person. Um, and it's only been in the last couple of years, kind of through looking at materials and speaking to people like yourself and people through the podcast, that actually... Um, it's not there, there is there's that's an imaginary barrier right like yeah <laughs> it's, it is but it does take a little bit of self-confidence to go yeah, yeah. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to try and learn this skill or I'm going to put some creativity into the world um mm-hmm. but it's incredibly rewarding as well yeah and there's so many things that we don't label as making but are decorating your house 
um, you, know, you, you might make your curtains, making a recipe or, or making a, a, a meal and you haven't quite got all the ingredients for the recipe and so you change something and you swap something in or out. All these things are just the same creative making let's what have we got and what can we make with it yeah um you mentioned robots earlier and i just wanted to ask you about robot wars really quickly <laughs> <laughs> because robot wars was one of my favorite shows as a kid uh -huh. um and but i always looked at it and i thought like wow that's such an incredibly what I thought was kind of like a really complicated thing to do. Like, I can't imagine ever knowing how to build a robot like that. But then there's all these kind of ordinary people doing it in their garden sheds and stuff. So yeah. how do you think, or how have you seen actually through your role with Robot Wars, people making that leap and finding the confidence to go out there and make stuff? For particularly the robot competition, there are different... Um, leagues might be the word where you can start with smaller robots and work your way up okay. so the ones we saw on tv were the heavyweights they were <laughs> and they were huge yeah. uh, they, they really were they you don't get the impression three of us could fit in that pit oh really uh, yeah the three judges there's a photo of the three judges <laughs> in the pit um yeah it's it's a huge thing and you start with okay can i make a a remote control car can i make something that goes forward and backwards okay that works okay can i put some shielding on and you do it step by step mm. there's a competition called pie wars where they take raspberry pi computers which are 30 pound computers designed initially for education but now there's millions of them out there in the wild and um, you can actually buy a kit and so you can compete in pie wars at the entry level and then look at everybody else's and say, oh, next year I'm going to put that kind of wheel on or I'm going to put that kind of sensor on. And then it evolves. So it's all an evolution, uh, really. Um, yeah, the, the, there are some big and scary tools, um, you know, welding, um, using the hard ox metal is... Uh, I mean, I like wood because I can do it, you know. And if a bit of wood falls on my steel toe-cap toe, I'm okay. <laughs> if, if a bit of hard ox fell on my um, toe-cap toe, I'm not quite convinced that, <laughs> that what will come off worse. So it's, um, I'm, I'm a bit scared of all these big metal things. Uh, but, the, you know, there are the safety precautions. There are PPPE. I think I've got too many P's in that. Um, and, yeah, it's all done. I was I was very surprised at how safely everyone did. I'm not I shouldn't say surprised, <laughs> impressed. Yeah. I was impressed because I hadn't some of the safety th considerations they had I hadn't considered mm. before I got there. Interesting. Um and and to see them in the pits um yeah, working on them is amazing. Cuz I actually joined a team afterwards. Oh really? Uh, cool. Yeah, and started working on one and thinking yeah, they're some of the engineering that's gone into it. I mean, it, it was one of the more technical um, engineering challenged robots, mm -hmm. um, which is what I liked. But then it's like, yeah, but they're still held together with nuts and bolts. <laughs> yeah. So just to wrap up then, what's next for you? What have you got in the pipeline? Any exciting projects? Oh, I'm doing another series of the Engineering Edge podcast. So that's where I talk to people around the world who are using an everyday technology component 
in a slightly different way or for a slightly different purpose that's giving them an edge in their business. Okay. So uh, in the last series, I spoke to a theme park that were using Raspberry Pis in their robot dinosaurs. <laughs> I spoke to um, Fusion Energy, where they were using hard drives that we use in our computers to store 40 years worth of Fusion Energy data. Uh, so I'm yeah, looking forward to recording the next one of that. Um, the Design Spark podcast, the comedy tech podcast uh, that I've done, that series three, we've finished recording that. That one's out now. So I'm enjoying that. And I'm also writing a... I've, I've just had uh, the dog start snoring behind oh. me. <laughs> She's obviously heard this far too many times. Oh. Uh, I've, uh, I've also started writing the uh, Don't Speak Geek, Communication Skills for Engineers book. Oh, wow. Cool. So, um, yeah, I'm getting into that. Amazing. I'll look forward to reading that. <laughs> so if people have enjoyed hearing from you and they'd like to look you up online, where can they find your stuff? I'm on Twitter as at Dr. Lucy Rogers and my web is lucyrogers.com. That's easy. <laughs> um, is there anything else you'd like to talk about before we sign off? Oh, just give, give me all the word. <laughs> <laughs> amazing well thanks so much for coming on the podcast it's, it's been great to yeah to, to find other people who are interested in the materials and and yeah sharing my passion it's always good fun so that was the marvelous lucy rogers i can't thank her enough for coming on the podcast and for speaking so passionately about hand making that's all for this episode. As always, I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review the podcast over on Apple Podcasts. Thanks to everyone who has continued to support us by giving a one-time donation. If you're enjoying the podcast and you have the means and the inclination to do so, you can go and make a one-time donation, which is at supporter.acast.com forward slash handmade. Say hi to us online. I always love hearing from people um, and hearing that they've been enjoying the podcast on Twitter. We're at Real Talk, that's R I A L Talk, and on Instagram, we're at Handmade Pod. Let me know what episodes from the archive you've been enjoying listening to this week, as well as this awesome episode from Lucy. As always, a huge thank you to Dave Shepard for our marvellous cover art and to Alex Lathbridge for the music mix. That's everything for this week. Um, next week, I've got a really, really special treat for you. Um, it's tasty. There's actually more than one guest. And if I'm completely honest, I think there's probably going to be a bit of a food fight. So until then, thanks for listening. Take care. And I'll see you next time on Handmade. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.